This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Happy Monday. It is the 30th day of October 2023. This is Parrot Talk here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. I am your host, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Your favorite 10 a.m. Central Standard Time show here on the Crusade Channel. And we are always on air and always online. You can email me at restoringthefaithmedia at gmail.com. Furthermore, if you don't get a response, you can email again. Broadcasting from the heart of America in the RTF studio this morning. It has been a fun weekend. I hope you had a great weekend. We are coming off of the great feast day of the kingship of Christ, Christ the King. The last Sunday in October is dedicated to the feast of Christ the King. And I think it's noteworthy to discuss here just for a moment today. The feast is called Christ the King, not Christ the Parliamentary President not Christ the Speaker of the House, not Christ the President of the Senate, not Christ the Prime Minister, not Christ the President. He's not President of Presidents. He's not Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings. And if he is a king, then his dominion extends everywhere. And if he is King of Kings then that should tell us something about how a properly functioning society should be arranged. I'm just saying, I have to say the unpopular stuff. You guys are sitting out there with your crypto-held enlightenment views. Well, all men are created equal by God, and we need votes, and we need self-government, and all power comes from the people. Fake news. False. All authority. All authority comes from God. That's scripture. That's holy writ. All authority comes from God. The president of the United States, fake Catholic usurper in chief Joe Biden, his authority doesn't come from you or me or the ballot box. His authority comes from God. How scary is that? When you think about it that way, democracy doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Wait a second. I'm participating in choosing the person who's going to have authority over me and his authority comes from God and then I have to obey the person? No. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Um... If Christ is king, then none of this, uh, none of this insanity that they were discussing at the synod on synodality makes any sense. It's Christ the king, not Christ the queen. You can't have women deacons, you can't have women priests, you can't have women bishops, you can't have women in leadership. I'm sorry, it's just a fact. Men and women are made differently. They're for different ends. They have different capabilities. They have different proclivities. They have different skill sets. 
Priests are men. Bishops, church leadership, churchmen, clerics, men. Not women. Not only not women now, but never women. Never, ever, ever. Impossible. It cannot exist. It cannot be. And this is something that my Protestant brothers and sisters don't seem to understand. Now, this may not be your experience with Protestantism, Mr. or Mrs. Protestant listening to this show. You may have had a different experience. But by and large, and in general, painting with a broad brush stroke here, how many of the Protestant religions have accepted women preachers? How many of them have, quote-unquote, ordained women? I think most of them. The curse of Eve is very strong. The curse of Eve is for women who want to control. It's an urge to control. It's a need to control. And it is something which is very difficult for most women to overcome. You're born with it. It's part of your nature. It's how you have spent most of your life. And until, unless you become aware of it, it is something that dominates your entire life. It is something that uh, you spend a lot of your life thinking about. How can I control my parish? How can I control my fellow man? How can I control my husband? How can I control my children? How can I control society around me? It is the need, the urge to control. It's part of the curse of Eve. It uniquely affects women. Don't blame me. I just work here. You can blame original sin. You can blame our first parents. You can blame Eve, the temptress, the one who tried to control Adam and and succeeded. Men have different curses from Adam as a direct result of being controlled by Eve, allowing Eve to control, allowing Eve to usurp the authority. We have to suffer for that for all time. So fair's fair, all right? By the way, uh, quick daily reminder, Adam and Eve were real people, actually created by God, the first human beings about 4,000 years ago, maybe 6,000 years ago, and that's it. They're not a figment of your imagination. They're not myth. They're not legend. They're not symbols in the Bible. They're real people, and they are our first parents. All of us trace our DNA back to Adam and Eve, period, end of story. There actually was a Garden of Eden. There actually was a fall. There actually was original sin. Those are real things. It's not mythological, symbolic, prophetic, or some other way of diminishing the literal truth of Holy Writ. Holy Writ says all authority comes from God. This is the feast of Christ the King. I believe it. Christ is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Holy Writ says, God created Adam and Eve. They're the first humans. 
You put the human spirit into them? I believe it. Says it. That's it. There's no, there's no other Jesuitical interpretation here. You can't get fancy schmancy uh, and say, well, you know, we all can't possibly come from the same two people because uh, uh, DNA and incest and, you know, whatever, birth defects. And that's just, uh, you know, we, we actually did just all come from monkeys or whatever. No, no, no. Get the heck out of here with that monkey garbage. This is a monkey-free show here on the Crusade Channel. We don't monkey around with uh, Holy Writ or dogmas of the church. We just don't. We are not going to do that here. You want to monkey around with creation and the story of man? You can listen elsewhere. All right. I want to get into U.S. politics for a little bit. I Speaking of monkey business... No, I'm not going to Vivek Ramaswamsi just because I said the word monkey. I'm not going to him first, okay? Just because of that, I'm going to find somebody white to go to. Not picking on Vivek. How do we take out the deep state nonviolently? Yeah, so you got to get in there and have somebody who understands the Constitution. We have the current Supreme Court right now that agrees with me on this. 75% reduction in the number of federal bureaucrats that happens instantly. Shut down agencies one by one. IRS, FBI, ATF, Department of Education, Nuclear Regulatory Commission, CDC. You can't reform them, right? Other other Republican candidates will think they're really novel when they say fire Christopher Wray. That's the least of it. It's a sideshow. It's the machine underneath. You have to shut it down. So Against that backdrop, the Supreme Court agrees with me right now that the duly elected president of the United States can do it absolutely with constitutional authority. So this is our window to get it right. I give Trump credit giving us that great Supreme Court. We win six to three. So this is going through the front door, shutting down agencies, lay off 75 percent of the federal bureaucrats, rescind a majority of those regulations that are unconstitutional coming from that deep state. This is our moment to get it right because the current Supreme Court is aligned with us. Get in there and actually it's going to take somebody who knows that, you know, I've been a CEO. I know if somebody works for you and you can't fire them, that means they don't work for you. It means you work for them because you're responsible for what they do without any authority to change it. And I'm not going to be a passive puppet. And Article 2 of the Constitution says the U.S. president runs the executive branch of government. So, yes, that's the way I'm going to do things. Get in there and do it. Alex, we've got to do this in the first six to 18 months. If we don't get this done and, you know, if we're not halfway to doing the things I told you by September of 2025, game over. Because if you give them time, you do this incrementally, boom, they've got you in a trap. But if you get in there quickly and don't even focus on Congress, I think that's a problem where sometimes you can get distracted as a president trying to pass legislation. No, you're right. It's been the agencies making law. And you're right about the Supreme Court rulings. They said all these agencies making law and carbon and everything is a fraud. So all you've got to do is have the president put new people in or shut the agencies down. You're absolutely right. Congress has become a, 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 a vestigial creature to the bureaucracy. The bureaucracy is the enemy. That's exactly right. How do we take... All right, that's Vivek Ramaswamsi. Uh, he, he, he means business, not monkey business, real business. He's the only one running right now who is saying the things that we want him to say, which kind of gives me a little bit of pause, kind of scares me a little bit, but he's the only one right now who is saying just... Fire the FBI. 
literally fire the entire FBI. This would be the same FBI that infiltrates traditional Catholic communities. This would be the same FBI that entraps, you know, the so-called uh, kidnappers of um, uh, the Michigan governor. They all got off. They've all been they've all been exonerated. This would be the same FBI that maybe was or maybe wasn't present amongst the J6 crowds. We don't get to know. This is the same FBI that uh, enhanced its own power during the surveillance state creation in the wake of 9-11. And Vivek VeggieTales Vegan Ramaswamsi says just fire them all. Just shut it down. And furthermore, do it by September 2025 because the deep state will strike back. I think he's tickling our ears. I don't know if he has the strength or fortitude to do it. I don't know that any president has the ability to do it, frankly. But this is part of the reason why Trump was elected. Because he was going to go shake up the system. Remember the swamp? He called it the swamp. He was going to drain it. Drain the swamp. Do you think Donald Trump drained the swamp? Honest question. Do you actually believe that Donald J. Trump drained the swamp? I I just don't see it. I'm not 100% opposed to DJT, okay? I am not a 45 hater. I'm just a 45 realist. Do you understand? I am not sitting here saying you have to hate Trump to listen to this program. I don't really hate Trump. I don't really like him that much, but I don't hate him. I don't hate him because he did accomplish some things, but one of the things that we were lied to about was that he was going to drain the swamp. He never did that. There was no swamp draining, ladies and gentlemen. This portion of Parrot Talk is brought to you by the Epoch Times. Subscribe today and watch their new docufilm, No Farmers, No Food. You will eat the bugs. That kind of came off as a little bit Italian, didn't it? You will eat the bugs. Subscribe today through the Crusade Channel for $1 for your first month by going to crusadechannel.com forward slash epoch. For one dollar. Scusi, scusi, one dollar. <laughs> um, speaking of eating the bugs, though, I Vivek Ramaswamy, he eats the bugs. And this is my problem with him. If he were not a vegan, I think I would trust him a little bit more. Honestly, you know his whole WEF connection thing, his George Soros scholarship is all that. That's all very troubling. The fact that this little skinny guy does not eat meat. I'm concerned. He probably eats the bugs. And that's a big disqualifier. I don't know. There's nobody else out there, though. 
There is nobody else. You know who's surging right now? Speaking of monkey business, I did... Why are you causing me... It's Haley's breakout moment. It's Nikki Haley's breakout moment on Politico.com. The rise is real. She is jolting the 2024 undercard race. It can't just... It isn't just that Haley has navigated past the prognostications of her political death. It's that the timing of her rise, with several rivals fading, one newly out, that's Pence. By the way, Pence is out. Did you know that? That happened over the weekend. And with increasingly urgent calls for a consolidation of the primary field, it's already reshaping the GOP's long-shot undercard due to overtake Donald Trump. She's breaking through at the right moment, said Mike Murphy, a veteran Republican strategist. Everything else has been ridiculous preseason coverage, like baseball teams at summer training. I think it all starts now. Other GOP contenders had their moments in the spotlight. Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, was an instant frontrunner in the field of Trump alternatives before backsliding. South Carolina Governor Tim Scott was once the talk of the donor class. Politico is saying this, and I just don't believe it. Tim Scott was the talk of the donor class. Yeah, freaking right. Tim Scott was always a nobody. He's never going to win. He needs to go away. While biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy became a sensation after the first debate. Yeah, they don't like what he's saying, so they have to suppress him. But Haley, sparked by two widely praised debate performances and a turn in the primary to international affairs, a subject of authority for the former UN ambassador, may have better timing than any of those candidates. In other words, the the Jew attack is helping Haley. That's what they want to say. The Jew war, the Jewish incursion into Gaza, is helping Nikki Haley because she's an expert On Israel and Palestine. Sorry. She's an expert on supporting Israel. Sorry. She's an expert on pro-Zionist Christianity. There you go. I hit it finally. Sorry. Sometimes, look, it's early in the morning, ladies and gentlemen. For me, it's not 10 a.m. Central. Here's the big secret. Some of these get pre-recorded. Some of these are not actually... I just pulled back the curtain here and let you peek in. It is significantly earlier than 10 a.m. right now. And it took me my third time to accurately describe what she's doing. She is a pro-Zionist Christian. And that's helping her right now in the Zionist war in Gaza. Her ascent, while still only a handful of points nationally, literally a handful of points, she's polling at 8% and she's getting front page coverage. That's how dominant Donald J. Trump is in the primary, and he doesn't even show up to the debates. (laughs) Uh, It's over. I mean, Trump's going to be the nominee. 
In recent weeks, Republican politicians, pundits, and at least one newspaper editorial board have called for most of the remaining candidates to drop out and consolidate around Haley, the former South Carolina governor. On Wednesday, a former U.S. senator and New Hampshire governor, Judd Gregg, became the latest to issue a Haley endorsement. Quote, our party needs someone who can win and lead, Gregg wrote in the New Hampshire union leader. Nikki Haley is that person. Side note, our command of the English language has become so dull, boring, predictable. Wait, nobody says anything interesting anymore. Nobody says anything that is worth reading. Our party needs someone who can win and lead. Nikki Haley is that person. This is like nominative case written by a third grader. Our family needs something tasty and delicious. Peanut butter and jelly is tasty and delicious. That's the sentence. Our party needs someone who can win and lead. Nikki Haley is that person. Our family needs something tasty and delicious. Peanut butter and jelly is tasty and delicious. Why do we write like third graders? Why do we think in terms... I don't know. It bothers me. I hate it. You know, sometimes at night I read Chaucer to the children. I have no earthly idea half the time what he's saying. We have to unpack it and look it up. Sometimes I'll read them Chesterton, which they largely understand. If I read them New Hampshire Governor Judd Gregg... They'd be like, who's this moron? DeSantis has started attacking Haley. He's trying to stop her momentum. DeSantis doesn't even attack Trump anymore. After picking up supporters during the first two primary debates, Haley is likely to have even fewer candidates to share the spotlight with during the next one. On Saturday, VP Mike Pence suspended his campaign. It's coming at a great time for her, said Witt Ayers, a longtime Republican pollster. Sometimes the direction of movement is as important as the absolute level of standing, and she's going up while the other candidates are either going down or remaining flat. Trump's still leading the rest of the field by as many as 50 points nationally and 30 points in the early states. Haley's now the main reason... DeSantis cannot declare the primary two-man race. She has closed in on DeSantis, surpassing him in New Hampshire and South Carolina, slowly gaining on him in Iowa, despite the Florida governor barnstorming the state throughout the summer and investing significantly more there than Haley. Iowa's not really a Haley state. Iowa, just the demographics, the way it works. Nikki Haley's not going to go eat corn on the cob on the back of a motorcycle the way Mike Pence did. She's not going to go tell boomer white jokes. I'm from a state that starts with an I and ends with an A. Ha 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 ha. I really meant Indiana, but I'm standing in Iowa. Ha 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 ha. Forced applause. Sympathy applause. Also, Iowa's not the kind of state where Haley's going to do well in any way because it's... 
She wants to bomb people. Bomb Iran. Bomb Syria. Bomb Libya. Bomb Lebanon. Shoot. Bomb everybody. Bomb everybody who ain't Jewish. That doesn't really play well in Iowa. It kind of plays well in New Hampshire, though. New Hampshire is a, is is an interesting state. It they got a lot more war hawks up there. They just love war. It's the Republicans in in New Hampshire that are kind of like, I want low taxes and big military. Whereas in Iowa, they're they're like, I want Republicans that are pro marriage, anti gay. That's not Nikki Haley. She's not very serious on those issues. She's really not. You know who's not serious on those issues and who never was? Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Do you want to hear this clip real quick? Yeah, Billy Graham on abortion. Here he is. Um, For example, I was asked the other night about abortion. And uh, I said, well, I think that if you're going to have abortion, free abortion as some are advocating, that why don't you wait till the baby's born and then kill it Mm -hmm. uh, rather than uh, have the mother's health impaired by the abortion. Well, this was a different thought, you see. And, uh, of course, I do believe in abortion. What? uh, For those who've been raped. Really? uh, For those who uh, may be diseased to the point that the child will be affected. I think there are certain areas that we need some of our laws brought up to date. Um, Oh, 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 oh. Let's hear that again. Billy Graham and supporting abortion. Thought, you see. And, uh, of course, I do believe in abortion uh, for those who've been raped. You do? uh, For the... What, but what did you say about just having the baby first and then killing him? How is that different? Oh, well, if you've been raped, then it's not a person anymore. Those who uh, may be diseased to the point that the child will be affected. I think there are certain areas that we need some of our laws brought up to date. Um, Billy Graham supporting abortion. Well, if you were raped, it's not a real person, you see. If you were raped, it's not a human being. It's just not, it's only, it's a clump of cells. It's only a clump of cells with a human soul if the baby was conceived in love. Oh, that's how that works? Okay. So it's only a clump of cells with a human soul if you wanted the baby. So an unwanted baby is not a human soul in a clump of cells. It's just a clump of cells without a hole, without a soul. Right. So personhood is based on whether or not the person in question is wanted or not, desired or not, useful or not, utilitarian or not. Okay. That sounds familiar. I think I've I've heard uh, something like that before. Well, for example, in the Soviet gulags. Oh, you were, you're not wanted and you're not needed. You're not useful to the state. You're not a person. You have no rights. Go away. Go work to death. Die in the gulags. That's the same. Well, that's that's the same philosophy that Billy Graham, the Reverend Billy Graham. All you Protestants out there, you must be so proud of of Billy Graham. I know a lot of you don't like him. It's just easy. It's just easy to pick off the inconsistencies of a false narrative of a false christianity i either human life begins at conception and human life is precious and cherished 
or it doesn't begin at conception and there's some other principle at play. And Billy Graham agrees, or agreed, he just did so. Billy Graham agreed with the proposition that human life only has worth to the extent that it is wanted. And if if it is unwanted, it has no worth. Quick break, right back here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. This is Paratalk. Don't go anywhere. Hey, I just met you. Heard you're a groomer. So here's your millstone. Good luck, loser. It's hard to look right when you're a pervert. So take your millstone. No kids will get hurt. Gotta get these fools out to the bottom of the ocean. Down in the ocean. Alongside that Titan sub. Oh, Gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean. It never gets old. Throw them in the ocean. It just never gets With old. With that Titanic sub. I never get tired of this song. It just doesn't get old. I love it. Welcome back to the program. Mike Parrott here, humble host of Paratalk, here at the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be, always on air, always online, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, from the heart of America, in the RTF studio, we have so much to talk about. Why is it so expensive to be single in the United States? <laughs> This is CNBC this morning. Why is it so expensive to be single? The 117.6 million unmarried, divorced, or widowed Americans older than 18 account for 46% of the population, according to U.S. Census Bureau data. That number has been growing since the 1960s. Oh, in other words, marriage rates have plummeted since the 1960s. Hmm, that might be looking at, worth looking into. Wonder what happened in the 1960s that would cause that, or contribute to that, for that matter. I wonder if there is an event in the 1960s that has caused marriage rates to plummet, that we could point to. If there was one thing that you could think of in the 1960s, what would that one thing be? Huh... Quote, the majority of my friends who are single and living alone are stressed about the cost of living. Kayshawn Holloway, a single man living in New York City, tells CNBC. (laughs) Well, Kayshawn, I don't know what to tell you, (laughs) Kayshawn. There's a lot to tell you. Here's what the singles tax looks like in the United States. The cost of living alone, dollar for dollar, it's cheaper to be in a one-person household. After all, there's Only one mouth to feed. But when you add it all up, maintaining a single-person household doesn't cost exactly half of a two-person household. That's why it's called the singles tax. It costs more to be on your own. Just costs more. There's Kayshawn Holloway sitting in his apartment with with his iMac. Take South Carolina, for example, which falls around the middle of all states in terms of cost of living, according to the Missouri Economic Research and Information Center. Cost of living for a single-person household, $29,800 a year. Cost of living for a two-person household, $47,400 a year. $47,000 is not double $29,000. Two-person household could split costs down the middle each and each contribute $23,000 per year. 
whereas someone living on their own would need to cover that much plus an additional 6000 The biggest factor is housing. Single people often have to choose between getting a roommate or covering the entire cost of a house or apartment on their own. The financial benefits of marriage are written into the laws of the land. This must be a problem because this is a CNBC article. Even if individuals earn a high income and keep their living costs low, quote, financial advantages of married couples are written right into the laws of the land. Bella Pilaro, author of Singled Out, tells CNBC. In some cases, married couples have advantages that simply don't exist for single individuals, such as income taxes. It used to be that the tax brackets were structured in such a way that if two people were earning money and then they combined their incomes, they would pay more taxes after they were married. Monique Morrissey, senior economist at the Economic Policy Institute, tells CNBC. She's alluding to what's known commonly as the marriage tax penalty or bonus. Prior to the Tax Cuts and Job Act of 2017, married couples were more likely to face what's known as a marriage tax penalty, which is when a couple combined their incomes and entered a high tax bracket. The penalty was usually eliminated under the 2017 was was mostly eliminated under the 2017 reform, except for some states, some ultra-high income earners. The marriage tax bonus occurs when couples pay less in income taxes when they file jointly than they would have paid as individuals. It became easier for married couples, aside from those in the highest tax bracket, to get a tax bonus after the Tax Act, according to the Tax Policy Center. It's written right into the laws of the land, ladies and gentlemen. It's not fair. It's almost like the government wants people to be married or something. We know that marriage is stability. Marriage is family. Marriage is predictability. Marriage is responsibility. A man who's married and has to provide for a wife and children is far less likely to engage in stupid vices like going to the casino and losing all his money. A single guy might take those risks might make poor decisions, might drive drunk. A married man thinks in terms of building wealth, preserving assets, building a home. A single guy doesn't do that. You want stability? You want to preserve traditional morality in these United States? Subsidized marriage. A different kind of financial freedom. It's not all bad for singles. The financial freedom that comes from being single is really awesome. Because I get to spend all my money on me. And my favorite person is me. So that's really great. Holloway says. I get to really invest in myself. And that's really nice. Does that prove my point? Does Kayshawn not prove my point? Thank you, Kayshawn. Uh, your services are no longer needed here. Thank you for your expert witness, your testimony. You may leave the witness stand now. I rest my case. Let me read that again 
I just want to, I want to read this again because those of you who listen to the Crusade channel, those of you who are here with us every day, you hear this for what it is. The financial freedom that comes from being single is not is really awesome. Because I get to spend all my money on me. And my favorite person is me. So that's really great, Holloway says. I get to really invest in myself. And that's really nice. Do you understand what the mainstream media is trying to advocate here? They're pushing you in a direction away from family, away from children, away from the sacrifice. All sacrifice is bad in the new world order. The definition of sacrifice is give up something good, something of value, something that you want. Why would you do that? Why would you make any sacrifice? Why would you provide for somebody else? Why would you think of anybody else? You should only think of yourself because you are the most important person in your life. The individual is the most important person in a society. Mothers sacrificing for their children? Hogwash. Fathers sacrificing for their family? Old-fashioned. The financial freedom that comes from being single is really awesome because I get to spend all my money on me. And it just so happens that my favorite person is me. So that's really great. I get to really invest in myself and that's really nice. If I hear another person say that something is awesome, great, and nice, can we get some adjectives back into the English language? I don't, look, I'm not saying anything other than, like, I don't expect it from Kayshawn. I am, I'm not expecting Kayshawn, Kayshawn Holloway, to come up with any other adjectives than really nice, really great, it's awesome, I love myself. My favorite person is me? My favorite person is me, ladies and gentlemen. That is the philosophy of the millennial generation. My favorite person is me. I love myself. It is the fruition of the unholy alliance between fringe Protestant Christianity, Dr. Phil, Oprah, love yourself as you are, Prosperity gospel. You're the most important person in your own life. God will bless you with riches and wealth if he loves you. Judeo-Freemasonic-Communist-Satanic alliance. I'll say that again for those who missed it. Judeo-Freemasonic-Communist-Satanic alliance. The most important person in your life is not me. It's somebody else. The most important person in your life 
is and should be the second person of the Holy Trinity. A real person. True God and true man. A person who is alive right now, who is listening to this show, amongst others. Other things that he's doing. That is the most important person in your life, and we have forgotten that truth. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a tragedy of tragedies. This idea of self-love, self-regard, self-indulgence in our culture, but it is not really surprising. This is the final act The final ends, the wanted results from the Judeo-Freemasonic Communist Satanic Alliance. This is their endgame. How do you think they will get you into the pod, owning nothing, being happy, eating the bugs? By thinking about yourself and yourself alone you by yourself you might be happy eating the bugs living in the pod you might be happy drugged up medicated netflix and chill you might be convinced that that is a good life for you you as a parent as a spouse will never be convinced that that is a good life for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your nephews and nieces and cousins, for your sisters and brothers, for your wife, for your husband. You'll never be convinced that that will be the good life for you. And so, family is the impediment, as it always has been, to the implementation of communism. Family must be broken up. Karl Marx knew this. This is why he was the first feminist. And the natural alliance with egalitarian eighteenth century philosophy, enlightenment philosophy, and communism. Like they're both the same thing. They both tell you that that you come first. You matter most. No one else matters but you. God only matters in insofar as he is useful to you. That's the, that's the Enlightenment Protestant ethic. God is important insofar as he does the things for you that you want him to do. Performs the miracles, gives you the stuff, prosperity gospel, takes care of you. That's the only thing God's good for. It's like a genie in the bottle. You rub that genie, you rub that bottle, the genie comes out, you make your wish. Thank you, God. God must really love me. Billy Graham, I tell you, it's uh, it's a crazy world out there, ladies and gentlemen. We have to reject the Judeo-Freemasonic, Satanic, communist religion. We have to. We just have to. It's Christ the King or it's that. Those are your choices. It's Christ the King or it's that. As for me and my family... I know what we'll do. Do you know what you'll do? 
Thanks for listening to the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. Always on air, always online. And I will see you on Tuesday. God bless you. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com